Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Hi, Rachel, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I was telling my parents how I have been following you for a long time and all your messaging, like it's just, it fuels my soul and makes me so happy that you're sharing this with dancers and artists. So I could go on forever talking with you. I'm very excited for today. Thank you for having me. Well, honestly, thank you for coming on here. I mean, you do a lot of advocacy work yourself in a lot of these areas that I touch on, especially with like mental health and self-care. So I think it just goes really well together. And I'm really excited to bring this conversation to just a lot of dancers and a lot of performing artists. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is really important to talk about, especially it's, it's been emphasized to me during this past year. Why don't we just kind of jump in? So I'd love you to just give everybody a nice summary of who you are and what you do. Ah, okay, yes. Yeah. So I am a Canadian actor and dancer. Um, I grew up as a competitive dancer in a lot of different genres. And then from there, I started to dabble in acting. And from there, I booked a Canadian dance show called The Next Step. And it's, it's a scripted show uh, and it's popular here in Canada as well as in other places uh, in Europe. And it's been really fun because through that experience, I've been able to tour and meet with other artists and collaborators. It's been, it's a, a really great opportunity and it's really emphasized to me the, um, like how much I love to act and dance. And then from there also, I've explored my advocacy in mental health and girls and women's rights. And so it's been really nice to explore that and expand and learn from others. Um, that's a little like nugget of <laughs> what I do. Absolutely. So talk to me, did you first start as a dancer and then get into acting or was it the other yes. way around? Yes. Well, as a Canadian, my mom put me in hockey, soccer, um, gymnastics and dance. Dance definitely stuck for me. So I grew up uh, at a competitive dance studio. And then when I was around 11, 12 years old, uh, I actually had a health condition that had to be off dance. So that little break off dance, it was so painful for me. It was what I loved to do and I was missing out. So I tried to find an avenue to continue to express my emotions and be artistic. And that's when I found acting. And so then once I was able to dance again, kind of those two joined together and I got the audition for the show that I'm still on now. Um, and it really like, it has my two passions, my greatest passions combined. Yeah. Wow. So you were 12 years old when you basically got a diagnosis that prevented you from, you know, taking part in something you love. And at 12, we don't really have much in our, I mean, we have a lot of it in our lives, but when we have a hobby per se, I mean, that is like our everything. So to have that taken away from you at 
at least temporarily at a very young age must have been like really tough to deal with yeah dance was my life like I mm -hmm. went until right at night and those that's where my friends were that's what I was getting like even competitive dance season like that was everything to me and the year before I had such a great season I was just I had never been so passionate about it before and it was right at that time where I felt like I was at my strongest that I had to be off and I was just in disbelief I didn't know what to do with myself um, but when I look back on it it was really a critical moment in my career when I realized how much I'm passionate and that I have to have this in my life. And now I, I actually was, I was talking about this recently, how at the time I thought of it as an opportunity to like, okay, I need to put my heart and soul into everything I do. Because if I don't like, who knows what I can miss out on. And I still use that philosophy a lot, but it's also like just appreciating my health and well-being. Um, something that like was taken away from me for a little bit. And so now when I reflect on that moment when I was 12, I take something a little bit different from it because now like just having good health is so, it's just incredible to have. So I have been so grateful for that experience that really taught me the importance of health from a young age. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. That's very fortunate because a lot of young dancers, unfortunately, um, get pretty unhealthy messaging, you know, whether that's like from diet culture that can start at very young ages for some dancers. Mm -hmm. So for them to hear you say that, I'm not saying your health problem was related to diet culture because I don't think it was actually. No, it was cardiac. It was, it was cardiac. cardiac. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my point being is that these obstacles can happen very early on in a dancer's training. And yeah. it's important for young dancers to know that even those temporary instances don't make or break a career. And we saw this with COVID. A year ago, dance was taken away from pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm. And also for someone like me who thinks like an overthinker, um, like recovering perfectionist, all that stuff, it's all very loud and can be kind of um, exacerbated uh, during the pandemic as well. Yeah, I know for me, because I'm a fellow recovering perfectionist, um, it is so hard when you are a planner and then like all of a sudden, I think it was at least in the US, it was like March 13th, 2020, literally everything shut down and it's like all of your plans just went out the door. And I think a lot of dancers were kind of slapped in the face with what's going on. And it's been, a, it's, you know, been a long time. Hopefully sooner than later, we can get back to some bit of normalcy. And I think we slowly are, but it's definitely been a long time and a big obstacle. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of my mental health and mental well-being practices have really uh, come in handy and have been something that I've been relying so much on during these times because yeah, I'm recovering professionist perfectionist and I want to be able to control my schedule and be very like rigid with it, but I can't. And I've, allowed myself more flexibility and fluidity with that. And I think that is something that I'm looking forward to bringing forward when my life does get busier, more hectic with, uh, with dance and, and work in general. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit more about some of those mental health practices that you do turn to? Yeah. So for me, there's so many, there's so many topics to touch on. I think in terms of eating and that side of it, uh, being so much more mindful and like giving myself space to eat without distractions. Um, and also, especially during the pandemic, I've been really enjoying preparing my food and putting like my 
my love and effort and enjoying that entire process. For me, that's been something that's been sort of practice and like uh, meditation almost for me. So I've been really enjoying that and just in general, honoring my body and my cravings, my hunger, a lot about what you talk about on your page has been so useful. Um, and then also FaceTiming friends, connecting with people. I mean, especially a lot of my friends are dancers, actors, artists, so we can share our, like how we're feeling and kind of give advice. Um, and then also a lot of it has to do with journaling, which is something I'm really passionate, have really found so incredibly useful during this past year, especially. And I think we'll get into more like the nitty gritty, but that has been such a useful tool, especially for someone who, uh, having that like not good enough mentality. It's never good enough. That's something that I still challenge, it's still a challenge today, but uh, much less, or I have the tools now to be able to deal with it and talk myself through it. But um, being able to point out the little things in my day that maybe before I wouldn't have remarked on or like wouldn't have think was significant, but now like those little things, I can appreciate that, express gratitude and just like write it down and just say like, okay, good for me. Like giving myself those little moments of joy and like, okay, you go like pat on the back there. So that's been very helpful during these times. Um, and then also listening to my body more. I think this pandemic has allowed me to uh, ask my body, like, what is it craving in terms of activity today? Um, I've been loving recently doing virtual ballet classes, like genuinely enjoy logging in. It, it's just satisfying to have that, that structure. Uh, but then also like, going outside into nature more, going on walks, something that like, I really didn't do before. Uh, but in general, being outside, get, getting some fresh air, regardless of how long it is, I feel too, I could go on forever. But I feel like regardless of if it's an hour walk or like 15 minutes, it still gives me that, that energy. Um, and that moment of like peace and just like being present, that is so helpful and gives me an energy boost or a like positivity boost in the middle of my day. Uh, those have been just a few. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fabulous. It, it really sounds like you're getting a balance of mindful practices, but also connection. Just hearing you making an effort to FaceTime with friends and staying connected despite, you know, previously being more isolated. Um, is, is a huge deal, a huge deal, because it can become very isolating, especially for dancers who we get, we tend to get very one track minded very easily when it comes to our training. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible to hear the balance that you have and even diving into other activities. I so often talk with dancers about having a, a multifaceted approach to life, because again, we get very hyper-focused and I'm curious yeah. about acting as well. Um, very hyper-focused in what we're doing, but hearing you, you know, go out for a walk, whether it's an hour or 15 minutes, just doing that is something different in your day. Yeah, and I think if I could add on to that, I think um, during my acting training really emphasized to me the importance of not being like focusing on one thing because mm -hmm. yes, dancer mentality, like that's, that was what I lived. Like I lived in that mindset for so long. And then my acting coach was like, Alex, like do things, try different things because having those experiences adds to your personality and, and adds to your art. And I think it's so valuable to acknowledge the importance of having those other experiences outside of our specific uh, craft. So I've been really focusing on that and understanding that like, okay, it's okay if I do something that maybe isn't exactly right now training, 
but can add to my art, my craft, storytelling, et cetera. Absolutely. And to just go off on that, um, really this idea that having other experiences throughout your week and throughout your life in general brings so much to performance. So, so dancers are actors in of themselves. Maybe yeah. we're not utilizing words, but um, we're obviously acting with our body and bringing right like you said, these other activities into our artistry is something that's so important. And just like on a very small scale um, example would be like having dinner with friends. For mm -hmm. dancers, especially we see with this pandemic, now what happened was a lot of dancers got very comfortable eating by themselves and eating at home and having full control over what they're eating. So now like we're seeing a pretty big emergence of disordered eating coming from that because a lot of dancers are getting anxious now that like they're their quarantine life is getting uprooted. So um, even this now is a new challenge of dancers having to think outside the box and bring in more experiences into their performance in an indirect way. Yeah, oh, that's very interesting to hear. Yeah, for sure, because that comparison in so many ways has been taken away during the pandemic, which is for me like a, a nice weight lifted off the shoulders. I've really been able to focus on myself, but now being able yeah. to integrate back into society. Um, yeah, I can definitely understand why that would be a challenge. Yeah, brings like a whole a whole nother level of it. So question, a lot of dance students obviously face challenges forgetting the pandemic. Dance students face challenges regardless, um, mainly related to body image, which then can also play into their eating habits. Yeah. Did you ever experience challenges related to body image and food throughout your training? Yes. So I remember when I was about 15, 16 is when I really became aware of like, wow, my body's changing. And I was very fortunate to have great support from my dance studio, my like entire career life and personal life. I never had any pressures, but the pressure that I had on myself and what I saw on social media and what society's expectations were, that really influenced how I saw my body. And again, going back to like, not being good enough, that mentality really started to go into my body image and like, oh, I'm not thin enough. I'm not this enough. And it eventually I realized that this is just self-sabotaging. And I, I was really grateful to, with the support of my family, find support with a dietitian and uh, a sports psychologist. That was really um, in, important and like integral. It really changed uh, my mindset. And now I have these tools that when I have these feelings, I can recall and, and question them. But um, yeah, I, I remember specifically, so in the show that I'm in, I joined in season four. And season four, I was a 14 year old. Um, and then going back for season five, my body had changed a lot. And it was then that I realized, like, I thought about others opinions and what they might think and comparing my body to my past body. And it was just, it wasn't doing me any good, but that I was in that cycle for a long time because I just kept thinking how I used to look and that I don't look that way now. Um, and it was challenging. However, as I said, like I, I found the tools and I have a great support system and reminding myself now, like, oh, I, I just, I have such a great, stronger relationship with myself and with food and eating and I enjoy all of it. And, and I even recall when I was on tour almost two years ago with my castmates, it was so fun at that point. I had, I had got to a point where I could enjoy the culture and like traveling and actually enjoying the food. And that was something that I had 
taken away from myself for so long. I, um, for a few years, I was quite restrictive with, with what I could, could and couldn't eat and um, sure. it was serving me and it wasn't serving my performance either. So I'm in a better place now for sure. And I'm really grateful for all of the support of like friends and everyone. It's just, it's, I enjoy I enjoy what my body is able to give to me and also acknowledging too what my body can do. That's something that I often do in my journal prompts if I am having a bod bad body image day, which still happens sometimes. Um, it's an up and down journey. But when I do have those feelings, I sometimes journal or I journal like, what, what can my body do? What do I appreciate about what my body can do? Um, and it's really like a really positive, uh, encouraging prompt because then after the end, like, wow, I'm so grateful for what I can do and the health that I do have. So um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my journey. Oh my gosh, there's so much in there that I kind of just want to unpack a little bit. Yes. <laughs> so much. Please, and also like for all, the, for all the people that are watching from my, um, my profile, a lot of them are dancers, performers, yeah. and I'm, I'm curious if they have similar feelings because it's something that of course in dance is really amplified. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that you said is the idea that this is a journey. And I talk about this so often because I myself have a history of body dissatisfaction, body dysmorphia. And even though I've come such a long way to the point where I now do this professionally and I work with dancers day in and day out and helping them teach them, be that mentor, giving them those prompts that you're talking about. I too have those days where I need to actually remind myself and, and work on my body station and in order to like keep up my body confidence. And I think it's important to realize like that is a journey. It's yeah. really never, it's not like something that we achieve one day and it's like done, we're done. Body image possibility is like, there we go. It doesn't work that way. You have ups and downs. So great to point out. You're right. Because um, if I do have it, like when I was first starting to feel much better, if I did have a bad day, I'd be like, oh, that's not good. No, I can't have a yeah. bad day. But like, yeah. it's that you can, and that's in so many ways, not only with body image, but uh, like just with mindset in general, yeah. just allowing yourself to have those feelings and then using the tools that you have to acknowledge it. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that perspective because it's true. Like you have to, it, that whole perfectionist mindset, just throw it out the window because it's not serving, it's not serving me. Um, and yeah. yeah, you're right, totally. I mean, if you have type A tendencies or perfectionist tendencies, we always kind of have it in us to quickly turn something from being like a healthy mindset into a, um, a an unhealthy mindset. Yeah, and we, we see this with food too. We see this with intuitive eating practices, like listening to our fullness levels and listening to, you know, uh, being on the lookout for our hunger cues. I'll often hear from dancers who will be really much working hard at this and trying to figure it out, but then they'll have a day where it's like they overate or they ate past fullness or they, you know, were out with their friends or socializing and they will email me and they're like, oh my God, I messed up. And I'm like, that's not the point of this. Mm -hmm. The point is that this whole journey is a journey and it's a judgment-free journey. Same with mental health, right? Like we will have those ups and downs, same with our eating habits, same with mental health. And it's a matter of knowing, like you said, having the tools behind you where you can like pull them out, whether that that's a journal prompt, whether that's a thought replacement, which it sounds like you do a lot of, you know, just replacing those negative thoughts with positive ones. I think that that in particular, has a lot more power than we give it 
like thought replacement. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and often if I get in this like cycle of, of negative thoughts or thoughts that aren't serving me, I and now because I've been practicing this being able to identify wait, wait, pause, I have something that I can replace. You're, you're totally right. It's been such a useful tool. Um, and something that I've been getting better at acknowledging quicker and being able to apply faster. Yeah. Yeah, for me too, on the food end of things, for me, I've come to a place where I can now identify if I have a thought, I can be like, wait, no, that thought is coming from diet culture and diet culture is not serving me well. That thought is not coming from me. It's not true. It's not factual. And even if it is factual, it might not be helpful. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that thought is coming from this like external diet culture and I just need to quiet it down. So it's it's not a matter of like, sometimes also when I first started all of this work, I, again, my type A perfectionism kind of like infiltrated a little bit. And I always thought that the goal was to get to a place where like, you don't have these thoughts, but I soon realized like that doesn't really happen. Yeah. It's just, it's just a matter of catching it faster. And I like what you said, like it's unlearning these things. Cause yes. that's, that voice of that past Alex, like 15, 16 year old Alex, that voice is, is still there, but mm -hmm. I'm able to, uh, to better like discuss and like reteach it, relearn or unlearn the negative thought, mm -hmm. um, remind yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really great. And unlearning, like not even, um, just in, in eating, uh, or mindset, but even when I'm acting, like unlearning past things or, or in dancing, like unlearning like past critiques that I had to worry about. No, I've already, I've already got there. Like, I don't need to worry about certain things anymore that my past self might have been fixated on. Uh, I think that's like a really important philosophy to apply to a lot of different aspects of life. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you ever feel like your perfectionism? Cause like a specific scenario is coming back to me. This is a memory that I have from literally like 12 years ago, but um, I was in class, I was in like the middle of a ponche and it just like, I don't know, it just, I was like striving for whatever perfection means with it wasn't happening, or at least I thought it wasn't happening, basically left the room crying. I'm curious to hear, I know, it's like, that was like a breaking point where I was like, okay, I need to like take two steps back before I can move forward because this is ridiculous. I'm like breaking down for no reason right now. Uh -huh. um, question like have you ever had an experience like that whether it be in your acting or in your dancing where you feel like your perfectionism has infiltrated so much that it truly was like the the it, it impeded you from progressing where you had to wow that's you know. a really loaded question because I can think of an instance in dance and in acting um in dance there were, there was a time I, I haven't even really told them, but there was a time when I just was so unsatisfied with everything I did, like regardless of what award I got, um, I would just be, go home like crying because I was never satisfied with myself. And this is the version of myself, like I have trophies from this version of myself. And like maybe from the outside, people would have thought, oh, like, like she, she's doing well. But I was really not enjoying dance like I had so many years before that. Um, and really, at that time, I wasn't able to acknowledge that I needed to take that step back. Like, good for you for having that, like, recognition. That was something that I'm very fortunate my mom was able to say, hey, like, you love dance and you're not, um, like, something is, 
is there's an obstacle like we need to we need to help you through this and so that's when I found my sports psychologist who has been Mm -hmm. so useful and I still use to this day um honestly finding that professional help was really uh really important to me being able to fall back in love with dance and continue to pursue my career that I'm so fulfilled and passionate about now so I just remember that year and again I was probably 15 16 at that time um yeah and then when I think of acting uh even during the pandemic my perfectionist mindset liked to creep in and I was reminded by my coach that hey like this in acting it's it's emphasized to me that like there is no one way to do it and that's the same with dance now I realize (laughs) But there's, it's not going to be perfect. And the beauty of it is that it's messy and imperfect and unique to you. Um, and so just in general, I think, I think this past year has really um, shown me that there's so much more. And it's such a more expansive world when you allow yourself to be imperfect. Um, but definitely have had those moments. Yeah, yeah. And it's so easy for dancers to, and I struggled with this too, think that we are striving for perfection, just the way dance culture is. And, um, you know, the very framework of the classes we take, the rep- the repetitive work and the repetition all do work on our technique, which is all true and everything that we're doing. But at the same time, we need to know that if we Um, really take it to the next degree with perfectionism or never feeling satisfied or never feeling like what we're doing is enough, then we really risk burnout. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think back to my younger self. Uh, There's a few YouTube videos of me when I was really young, like maybe nine years ago now. And I was so unsatisfied with every video. Like I never liked seeing my myself dance on video. And it's something I wish I could go back and say like, Hey, it's, it's fine. Like, just enjoy it. Enjoy the process. Because um, I, I was really robbed of all that because I was so worried about being perfect. Um, and it didn't didn't serve me. No. percent, Absolutely. And it's so nice to hear the level where you're at now and the stage of your career where you're at now. Um, hearing what that hindsight is and what that means to you and how that can impact other dancers. So thank you for that. It sounds like a lot of this um, is somewhat exacerbated being on camera. Yes. Yes. Like, as I had said, so going from season to season, I've been in four seasons now. And every time I'm growing up, like I started 14. Now I'm 20. And and so every, every year, like, of course, I'm going, my body's going to change, like there are going to be those changes. But at that time, I had just compared myself, regard like whether it be my body or what the skills I could do to my past self. Um, so that was definitely something. And also considering being aware that there are people watching, that there are other opinions, there are people that are going to be like, wow, she looks different or, or have those certain, just being aware of that was overwhelming for me at first. And again, as I said, I have these tools now and I feel really confident with where I am. And I don't have, I don't, um, I don't have those same same thoughts anymore, but definitely being on camera has been tough. And then also just the pressure of social media. Again, like taking videos of myself dancing and even on camera when we're doing a dance scene, we shoot, we shoot a few takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never, I had that mind, like it's never good enough. And like even after they would say cut, it's like, oh, wasn't good enough. And I just, 
I wasn't able to enjoy that entire experience. Like how unfortunate that I was on a show that I had loved growing up and for a lot of the dance scenes, whether it be solos or whatever, I was just never satisfied. And, yeah. and I'm really fortunate. Um, the most recent season we filmed, I really did enjoy it. And I had this great, like, I, I felt so much more confident in myself and the tools, the mindset tools I was using. And I was able to finally fully enjoy the experience. And it was so rewarding. And I was like, wow, I've wasted uh, however many years not being able to fully appreciate this. Um, yeah, so definitely it's been a journey, but I am grateful for the tools and support I have now to be able to fully appreciate, enjoy, um, and like respect my body and how accept it. Yeah, and just to um, point out for everybody listening, it sounds like you received your tools because you went to professionals, medical professionals to be exact, whether that was your sports psychologist, whether that was a registered dietitian. And I think that's really important for dancers and actresses or actors to hear that um, turning to professionals is sometimes the key that's needed mm -hmm. to learn those um, tools. Yeah, and also I... I feel like I should acknowledge I'm, I feel really fortunate and privileged to be able to have those resources. Um, right. And I hope that those that, that, um, that need it can get it and find some resources. I know that there's some really great uh, mental health resources right now available in Canada that are, that are free. So I really hope that people are able to find those resources and, and have the support uh, like at their dance studio or their workplace or wherever to be able to, to find those resources. Right. Because I was very grateful to have my parents and uh, like dance teachers support. Right. Absolutely. Well, uh, this is all such great information. One other question I have for you. It can be easy for dancers to feel very discouraged at times. Any, aside from journaling, other specific tools that you might utilize just to kind of keep yourself motivated? Huh. This is, this is a good question. Something like what you said about taking dance, I, I take things very seriously, or like pass Alex. But sometimes if I'm in a rut or like I'm not feeling inspired. I just dance for fun. Like I take the pressure away. And for me, I love High School Musical playing my favorite playlist and just dancing for me. Yeah. Um, sometimes when dance became a job, it's hard not to even like increase the amount of seriousness and pressure that you put on yourself. So throughout the years, finding that space to just do it for fun without the pressures has been really great for my mental well-being throughout my entire career so far. Um, and then also when I think about, again, like my most recent filming experience with The Next Step, uh, sleep, like sleep has been so crucial for me. Um, I had the best sleep that, that summer we were filming. I felt so energized and that was really important to me. Um, and then also other than journaling uh honestly like finding a really great community i'm really grateful for the friends that i have on set um and in like my past dance studio we still keep in touch having those resources um and support system has been so great you know diving into dance for like the original reason why we even yeah. got it right when we were just young young girls right going in um and just liking movement for what it is i think that i i can so relate for me back in the day and i'm talking like 20 no wait, maybe 15 years ago journal prompts like one of them is what am like why am i doing this and kind of reminding myself why what was the why to begin with why did i start yeah. that? 
Yes. Um, yeah, that has been that has been very useful for sure. Yeah, exactly what you said. You know, when we take this now and we turn it into a career, it there it it becomes a very different part in our life, right? It's a career now. It's not necessarily, you know, this hobby that we have that we just do on the side. So it's important for dancers if they are going, you know, the career route, which most of the dancers that follow me are, they're going that professional route, to know that they can do that and still keep their passion, maintain their passion. It's just a matter of, like you said, having other outlets, whether that is having a community, having your friends, having your family, having um, other hobbies. I, sometimes I, something as simple as knitting, you know, just having other outlets for dancers to, and, and um, actors as well, to give them a multifaceted approach in life. Yeah. I also think something that is more recent for me is allowing myself uh, because often I would say, yeah, like, I want to start another hobby. But the perfectionist mindset would creep in, like, oh, but you're not, like, what if you're not good at it? And yes. so the acceptance and space to not be good at stuff and just try it for fun, not have any expectations, right? Like, practicing working that muscle of, like, being okay with not being great at something, um, dancing out my feelings. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, that's another thing. Actually, it's done a lot on the next step, the show that I'm on, where characters dance with their feelings. And that's another thing that like no expectations, literally just moving, using my body, making space um, for me to express emotions. That's yeah. been really especially during the pandemic. Yeah. And one thing that I've learned actually since I became a parent, believe it or not, is that we are and we should make space for our emotions. I think that for me coming, I'm a millennial and I think that um, Growing up as a millennial, our parents kind of had this mindset of like, you shouldn't have emotions or you should su suppress mm -hmm. them, like when you're angry or you're sad, like we can't show those emotions outside. But now being a millennial parent, it's actually so wrong to think that way. And really learning how like all of these emotions are make us human. And it's just, a matter of, um, you know, the outlets we can turn to of what can help us. Cope. Yeah. I love, I love that because often when people say positive mindset, when yeah. people say that, I want it like, yes, but keeping in mind that like allowing yourself to feel all the emotions. And yeah. I think I remember a Brene Brown podcast, they were talking about emotions as tunnels and there's a beginning, middle end, you have to get through it. Um, and I think that was really emphasized to me in acting too, is like, you have to feel those emotions or else how are you going to call them when you're doing a scene? And that's the same for dance. Like, I think maybe a better word is healthy mindset because yes, being positive, but being able to acknowledge and accept all feelings and go through those because otherwise like it's, they're just going to be bottled up. That's not good. I'm going to one up your, your uh, word. I'm going to say balanced mindset because balance, yeah. <laughs> balance between the positive and the negative. I find the word healthy to also, even though a lot of my whole program is called healthy because I'm trying to redefine what it means to be healthy. I think that, you know, diet culture has definitely infiltrated the word healthy and the word wellness. And sometimes yeah. when we think of these from a diet culture standpoint, we think of like clean and, and uh, you know, not all the that just kind of like trigger that, that yeah. the diet culture language for sure. Yeah, exactly. So having like this balanced approach, whether that's balance in your eating or balancing your mental health, but making space for positive emotions, negative emotions.